but use the I care script that I've been working with all with my 3000 realtors and saying, Hey, do this. I'm never afraid of telling a much broader audience the secrets because guess what? Very few people do it. So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. I am back with Paul Morris today. We are talking about the state of the market. Paul, how is everything out in LA today? Well, you know, personally, you know, I'm getting very tired of being locked down. I find that that is, uh, that's what I'm hearing from a lot of my friends, you know, even yeah. careful of us, I'm probably among them in some regards. We're just tired of, tired of being uh, trapped at home. Yeah. Lots of ideas and no, no, uh, no, no, where to take the action. Are you starting to see more cars on the road and just people kind of halfway out? Like the first couple of weeks of shelter in place in Texas, I went to drive somewhere and there was like no traffic. Now, when I go run an errand, there's actually, I mean, it's not the traffic that we used to have, but a lot of people are driving in. Is it the same out in LA? Absolutely. And they were, they were doing things like, uh, you know, our beaches were totally blocked off. And now this last weekend, there were people on the beach. Um, you know, weird little, you see weird little things like, uh, you know, people with a shelter in place, people are stuck, you know. So one of the things the city did was they said, okay, no parking tickets. And uh, now my, yeah. uh, my friend just said, oh, hey, I got a parking ticket. I'm like, what? How's that possible? So we're all sort of coming out of our shells a little bit. Yeah, they're trying to figure out. So in Texas, they announced that this Friday, they're, that the governor is going to let the stay-at-home order kind of pass. So now restaurants can open and movie theaters can open and different places can open. And, and there's a couple little caveats. So one, they said, I think they gave them a set of restrictions of how to make sure that it stayed clean. In other sense, it said 25% of, of approved occupancy. But in a lot of cases, like a restaurant's approved occupancy is much higher than the actual number of seats. So part of me says, hey, 25% occupancy in a restaurant is like every table could be full. Um, yeah. The, yeah. Only, the only downside of that is so I'm, I'm pumped. I'm out in Austin. You know, our other homes in, out in California and out there, they're not everything just got extended. Just like, you know, I think that we're seeing up in Northern California, especially where, where we're from. So in Austin, they open it. We're super excited. The only downside is so far, only a few restaurants have said, we're willing to open this Friday and we're going to be first and come on out. A lot of the movie theaters have said, hey, we're not quite ready yet. And I think they have some fear that the consumers, they don't want to open and have no consumers show up. They also have some of their people that were employed are like, hey, we're making more money on unemployment. Have you heard much about that yet? Or any theories or ideas on what's going to get people to start coming back out? Well, I, you know, I think that there's always this sort of lag time between when the information gets out there. You know, I saw this great lag when people are really, there was really a lot of information that said we should lock down. Uh, the, our mayor said shelter in place and was very strict about it. And you would go out and see a bunch of people around, you know, a week or two after that, 
you really saw people, you know, they're getting the message and really not going out. So there's a little bit of a lag time. And now as things are easing up, there's, you'll see that lag again. But I think there's, I think the pent up desire to get outside is also a metaphor for the pent up, you know, the pent up demand that we're going to have for goods and services. I think people are going to want to get out and, and let's also be clear. I don't think that this thing is over. You know, the government is just like, hey, we just we can't continue to print money and debt to pay people who aren't working. You know, at some point in time, we've got to we've got to take a business approach to this and forget the politics of where we where we fall on that. And, and with friends of mine, I got to tell you, it ranges all the way from, you know, friends that I have that are medical practitioners that say this is absolutely crazy. We just have to stay inside longer all the way to, you know, normal business people, people that I generally think of as not conspiracy theorists, for example, they're like, you know what, hey, I don't know a single person that has COVID. And, you know, this whole thing is just completely crazy or a hoax or whatever. Now, I know that you and I have been touched by it very differently. And so we know the reality of it. But, you know, that's the, the spectrum is massive, but I think the reality of it is, is people are going to fall in. Uh, people are going to fall in in line with that, and I think they're going to start coming out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The spectrum is massive. It's on super extremes. Some people are like, "I'm ready to go out right now. I'm, I never want to be locked down. I'll never get sick. I'm too young to get sick. It's a fake thing." To like, "Hey, let's stay in for six months." And I think you are right. I think part of that, some people are, they're going to weigh the risk. And I saw some people say, hey, you know what? I'm going to stay inside for the next year because I can always get my money back. I can get my life back. And I've seen other people that are like, hey, the, I'm going to die over my loss of finances before I'm going to die of this. So just let me go risk it and put on a mask and go try to open business. So the, it will be really interesting over the next few weeks as we see, you know, two weeks from now, I'm interested in the news in Georgia. You know, three weeks from now, I'm interested in the news in Texas where they do open. What's that like? I mean, I saw pictures of a gazillion people on the beach in Santa Cruz. And our, in two weeks, are we going to see like beach, 10,000 beachgoers have COVID? Or are we going to see like, hey, everybody's okay. Let's do it again. So that's the stuff that you and I aren't doctors. We are getting to just try to look at what's out there and analyze it and try to see what we can track. You know, as we start to jump into the news, I, one thing that I kind of just wanted to lead with was, so I open up news today and it says the Dow Jones is up, right? It's up 600 points today on coronavirus news. So like the coronavirus news of the day is making stuff go up. So the stock market hit a low, the Dow Jones hit a low March 23rd. And this was kind of like a week into shelter in place, maybe two weeks into shelter in place. It hit 18,591. And now it is up to 24,000. So that's like a 30% increase, right? The other low was around April 1st. It's up like 20% from April 1st, 30% from then. So what do you, now I know that it hit a really big low, right? And so it coming up from the bottom doesn't necessarily mean much. But in the last week or two, it's consistently been going up. What do you think, what do you think the stock market knows when it says, hey, the stock market is doing well again, and it's because of COVID news? I couldn't figure out what COVID news was such good news. What do you think? Uh, well, first of all, you know, uh, there, has been some, there has been some interesting, you know, medical news where they're fast-tracking a, uh, a couple of treatments. They're fast-tracking a vaccine. 
So I think they're seeing a little light at the end of the tunnel in terms of, in terms of that news. There are some things that I look at, like when the, the, the cost for uh, crude oil was a negative number. You know, Gosh. I'm just like, okay, I don't, I don't day trade. I don't play the stocks like that. And I just look at that. I go, look, it's got to go up. Okay, right. It, we're going to return to normal at some point. It's probably not going to be as far into the future as some people think. And you're going to get that bounce. One of the things that's critical, and these are great talking points for our realtors, are that, you know, we're going to have a financial impact. And that's what the stock market is saying. Like, wow, okay, this is like unforeseen. This is uncertainty. Uh, this is bad. Nine out of the last 10 recessions were led, we were led into recession by a precipitous drop in home values, okay? And that is not the case this time. So that's an important differentiator for our realtors. The uh, home market was very healthy prior to this. So for it to get back to something that resembles healthy or normal uh, faster than before only makes sense. So, so yeah, I'm seeing that stock market sort of whipsaw and, and real estate for better or for worse is not as liquid. Okay. So um, we've got a bunch of buyers and sellers in the stock market. The reason why crude oil was so low was because people just aren't buying it and it costs money to store it. It costs money to transport it. People are stuck with it and they're just like, you know, but when you're, when you're sitting on a house and you're like, geez, uh, even if the market went down 20%, the, the sellers are not selling for 20% less. The buyers are not buying because the sellers haven't come down in price. You see this big lag. So that I think is going to help us because things aren't uh, as permanently damaged as they were in, in the recessions. Yeah. You know, you, so last week we talked a little bit about the equity out there. So we talked about that the, even though we are going through some crazy times and we're going to go through some crazy real estate times that there was uh, there's, there's equity in the market. Like there never was before. Like we are going to see people in default and pre foreclosure in two months. We're going to see people that are supposed to pay back three or four months of mortgage payments. And all of a sudden they're going to go into foreclosure. But what we didn't have back in 2008, 2009 was equity. We talked about that a little bit. You dug into some of those numbers. I know you've got a couple articles out there that really talks about what, so what does that news tell us about the real estate market? Is it all doom and gloom? And so, you know, one of the things that I think would be very helpful to, uh, to our listeners, you, you can get this article. Uh, the article is a housing wire uh, article, July 8, 2019. And that's old news, but it's talking about the great amount of equity that we have in our markets that, that did not exist. So 2008, prices were artificially boosted up. People were into mortgages that they could not afford. So there was, there was a, a whole rash of sort of shadow, what, what they call shadow debt and, and shadow, uh, shadow risk that's associated with it. This is almost the opposite. So uh, the article, it's, it's uh, a Harvard study, but it's, it was printed by Housing Wire. And it, it notes that, that the aggregate home equity, so all of the equity in the homes in the United States in 2011 was $7 trillion. And that already is a very healthy number. And then in two, by, by 
by that was 2011 by 2018 the number had more than doubled to 15.5 trillion so that sounds great but what does that mean to us what that means to us is when you have a lot of equity uh in the market banks are less afraid of the foreclosure so if i can't make my payment today and i call the bank and say hey cut me a break. This is why they were all saying, you know, that's okay. You can have a deferral for three months. They don't want to market onto their balance sheet as bad debt. So, you know, yeah, there's going to be a shakeout and people are in houses they can't afford and that sort of thing. And I think you'll see an uptick in foreclosure, but it's not the sort of doom and gloom thing that it was before. Yeah. Well, and, and, and what Paul just said there is he said, you know, when we have those postings, like people have equity. So their house is worth $400,000. Their loan is 300000 And so if they can't make the payment, the bank doesn't want to start foreclosure proceedings. They don't want to go through that process of foreclosure and eviction because they know because there is so much equity, there's a very good chance that that buyer will either come back on payments or sell the house themselves so they can capture that equity. Like the, the, the equity in those houses is going to become, I, I believe it's going to become the piggy banks that people are going to tack in, tap into right now to survive unemployment, to survive the change in their lifestyles. There's that to tap into. Even if we have a 10, 20% reduction, they've still got equity in there. So the, that's a really good point. The, we did not have that in 2007, right? 2006, 2007, as soon as the market started crashing 2007 through 2009, nobody had equity. So they had to force it to foreclosure because the longer they waited, the longer people have stayed in the house for free. They weren't making the payment. They had no intention of selling the house. They had no intention of making their payments again. They were just like, we'll just stay here until the bank kicks us out. The banks had to be quick then. Not like that this time. So the, uh, so that is, I think that is good news that's out there in comp- when you try to take everything into comparison on there. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. And as you know, when you've been hearing these episodes, so many of our guests give us lots of free gifts and share the tools they've been using to become successful. We've got free real estate tools, scripts, eBooks, marketing materials, and more. We keep track of everything in our vault and it's updated with new items each and every week. If you want access to that stuff, it's totally free for being a listener. All you have to do is go to agentsuccesstoolbox.com, agentsuccesstoolbox.com, and get your free gifts now. Some other good real estate news. There's a giant house in LA. You said just just got put in escrow, right? Yes, and that's you know that is uh, that's a bit of insider information. So I wouldn't say what agent it was and what house it was. It was it was well above fifty million dollars, and and it and it just went into escrow. Now, what's what I find extremely unusual about that is this: after you reach a certain price point, these are not people that need to live in the house right now. So so most people, no matter how affluent, you know, what it looks like in LA is, oh, hey, I, you know, I, I was on a, on a job in New York City. I got relocated to Los Angeles. I may be even what would be considered super wealthy, but I'm looking for a primary residence. You know, yeah. I've got to live somewhere. Uh, you know, I really don't want to rent because I've got a family. So, you know, what do I do? I have to buy. Now, when you get over a certain price point, it, when you're when you're north of fifty million dollars, this is not the only home that the person has. Uh, yeah. They they are ready to uh, they are ready to move forward with it. But here's the thing: they can always wait. So what you see, you know, in the ultra 
in the ultra luxury market is when you see a crisis looming, these deals go 100% cold. Because what can happen is if I'm like, oh, you know, geez, I really like that $50 million house and I'm, I'm super excited about it. First of all, there aren't 10, 15 people chasing that house. Okay. Mm -hmm. to begin with, I'm thinking, well, you know, I, it'll be available six months from now. And I don't want to get into a $50 million purchase that where there's a big change in the market, I could lose $10 million in one day. You know, it's like, oh, if I have to sell, if I buy the house for 50 million today, mid crisis, what could I sell it for tomorrow? I've got to find some other, some other ultra rich person that's going to take hold of that house. So most of the time, these sales go absolutely cold. I was very surprised. And it's sort of a, you know, weird kind of canary in the mine shaft thing where it's like, oh, hey, you know, it sounds bad, but the canary's doing fine. It's, it's not, it's anecdotal. You know, it's not something you can look at and go, okay, well, I'm going to change everything I do based on that. But it, it's interesting nonetheless. A, tr a transaction of that size. It, it, I mean, your point there is so valid that it, no, there was no reason to rush, right? So they, there was no reason to do it now instead of later. There was no incentive to, to get into escrow now compared to six months from now. So it was just because it was like, yeah, that's the house I want. So there, there wasn't like these impending factors. So a normal super high-end transaction occurred there the or is in the process of occurring you know i i think i told everybody last week i put my house on the market in austin you know when when we bought a new house when when the coronavirus shelter in place started the my other house wasn't sold yet at first i'm like oh we're gonna sell it as soon as we move out we were in this crazy hot market then also it was coronavirus and it was like do we wait to list it and i was like no what's it gonna hurt what's it gonna hurt to go list it now and i hired a great agent he went and he did great virtual tours and drone videos and all sorts of stuff to really market it and put it be its best foot forward. The, but we got offers right away. You know, it's, it's another point. It's going to close now next week. And, and that was just an example of, you know, really good marketing. Now, priced correctly so that it would yeah. sell right away. Um, but I wanted that house sold during this time, and it, and it was great to see that. So it's, it's cool to see transactions happening and semi-normal transactions happening. I've also seen the transaction happen where people are doing, you know, quick cash offers for 20 grand below asking to see if it'll go. But I'm also seeing normal stuff happen. Uh, there's less of it, right? But they're, but they're happening. And, and people, we got feedback from uh, Rockstar Nation that, you know, people, people, they do like to hear the personal stories or how, you know, oh, hey, we can talk about news, but, you know, what are we doing personally to put it into action? And so just like you're sharing that, I definitely think that it makes sense for people to, to, to plan on living on, on less, okay? And this has been a great lesson for me. You know, with all of the expenditures that I do, I, I'm really looking line item by line item, which we all should do, but I just, you know, I'll get up and speak in public and say, this is what you should be doing. I go home, I'm not doing it. This, you know, this pandemic has caused me to do that. And one of the things I did was, you know, pre- Pre-COVID, I looked at my my PL and I'm, you know, I'm thinking in my brain, oh I, hey, I've got a second home in Palm Springs. It's it's nice. I love it. I don't use it as much as I should. Sounds familiar, I'm sure. And uh, you know, I'm thinking it's a three or four thousand dollar cost to me per month because the mortgage is about twenty five hundred. So I'm like, okay, oh, well, you know, three or four grand. I just took the last 18 months. I go, okay, what did I spend on it? Divided by 18 comes out to 7,500. And I'm like, yeah. you know, oh, oh. that one thing I had, to, but that's, but that's, that's life. So now I'm like, oh, huh, 7,500 a month. And I really felt like I could bring the house out 
and sell it for about 780. I was going to do a pricing strategy of pricing it at about 765, getting a lot of attraction to it and thinking, you know, well, I'll definitely get 765, it'll probably go north of that by pricing it a little below. Um, now I'm thinking about doing it again still. And my reality check is it's a second home market. Okay. It's not That's true. Yeah. It's demand. So my reality check on it now is like, well, would I take 720 or 730? And my answer is yes, I would. So I'm going to come out, I'm going to come out on the market with it at about 715 and see if it doesn't really raise some eyebrows and get some quick offers on it. And yeah. take some, you know, take some of the equity that I have in that house off the table and then start banking the 7,500 a month that I've been spending on that place. You can go on lots of vacations when we, when we get ready for that. Yeah. So, banking that savings is a, hu- is a huge thing there. I mean, one thing that I really got out of what you just said is as we are encouraging people to look at their costs, look at their P&Ls, try to see what expenses, be honest with yourself too. Like you actually had to be really honest with yourself and dig to come up with that. Wait a second. Cause in your mind you probably liked the idea that that extra house only costs you $3,000 a month. And that's like, if you stay in a couple of hotels and then really having to dig and go, no, wait, my real true savings is 7,500 a month. And I've got to do this. My, my place up in Northern California, I just dropped the price on Airbnb 75%. Cause I was like, you know what? All my weddings are canceling. All my stays are canceling. Hey, even if somebody wants to go stay there for a month or two, really low, it'd be a great place for somebody to go shelter in place. It's a giant property. It's like, I'll just drop the, pro- I'll get realistic with it. I would rather, you know, I, I, for a while I wanted that premium, that premium property. It's like, I just want to break even right now. I want to cover 90% of my expenses on that thing. So let's just lower the price and get somebody in there right now. And, and we'll, yeah, maybe next week I'll have the news that that price drop works. So there'd be more, more Airbnb news next week with that. Yeah. I thought there was a, so um, Architectural Digest had an article and you'll, yeah, I think you'll have some fun comments on this. It says real estate market sees uptick and you know, more news in San Francisco. And it was saying like, Hey, we're seeing real estate market sees an uptick. Like it's good news. And it said, you know, in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, new listings are hitting the market and the total number of listings on the market all went up last week, according to Mansion Global. So the, I thought that was kind of funny that it was presenting it as now maybe in San Francisco, that's good news. Maybe more listings in San Francisco is good news because there's been such a shortage of inventory. But what do you, what do you think about that? Do you, do you read, am I wrong or do you read that the same way? Like, wait a second, that's not necessarily good news. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's great real estate sales news written by architects. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely think that, you know, and, I, and I'll say this to you, okay? I still find that to be good news because it shows activity right now. It shows people are signing listing contracts right now. And, and I don't see it as a desperation. You know, just like my, my house in Palm Springs, you know, I just signed a listing agreement. It's not a fire sale. And if it's got to be fire sale in order to sell it, I won't sell it. Uh, I'm being very realistic and taking a, you know, taking a 10%, maybe even more 15%, you know, oh no, less than that. Right. So sorry about that. You're like a 10% discount, 10% discount, you know, okay, fine. I'll, I'll take that 10% discount to get that off of my P and L to get the cash in, uh, in the bank. You know, on the other hand, I, I have a, I have a deal that I went into escrow before COVID and I'm going to close on it. So 
each deal is separate. But yeah, I think I think the fact that there is the fact that there are are more listings on the market. You know, it sounds funny to us because we're real estate professionals. You go, yeah, I think you read that wrong. But on the other hand, yeah, it makes some sense that that's still good news. People are not fire selling. I haven't seen yet, uh, but they are coming out with listings. So they're, we're we're poised to get back into business. Yeah, the I think I, I think that is a, a good a good prospect of it. And there are a lot of places in you know some people are saying, hey, this is great news for my buyers in in Austin, Texas. There's been such a shortage of inventory. Now there's not going to be a shortage of inventory. Now there's going to be more opportunity for my buyer to come in. Some people are welcoming a price correction. Some people are hoping for that. The Inman News article says. You know, this was a good article. Just came out. It raised my eyebrows a bit. Sotheby's franchise sues Michigan governor over the stay-at-home order. It says the lawsuit, which demands trial by jury, claims that Governor Gretchen Whitmer's COVID-19 lockdown orders are overreach, overreaching and unconstitutional. Have you seen any other? And I've seen a lot of real estate, you know, companies and 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 realtor associations reaching out and saying, "Hey, make my job essential." That you know, out in Texas, they've been saying, "Say that real estate is essential, so we can still show houses, do stuff." Have you heard of any other lawsuits like this? Do you think that this is this the first one? And I got to tell you that you know, I I'm a lawyer, and by you know, by education, I guess you know, period, because I'm a member of the bar, and I I just hate stuff like that. I really do. You know, the governor is doing the best that she can with the information that she has. Uh, I will say one of the things I know, I know from direct experience that Michigan has one of the most uh, restrictive rules. Uh, there was a point in time where Governor uh, Whitmer came out and said that you can't even, you can't even go to a friend's house. Uh, so in other words, like, you know, and they, and they actually, that's, that that's shelter. That's lockdown. Yeah, it's lockdown. So, you know, I understand, you know, getting a reaction to that. On the other hand, you know, Detroit, which is a very isolated part of Michigan, right? There's a lot of rural Michigan and Detroit had one, Detroit was starting to look like New York city and okay. governor Whitmer's like, okay, we're not going to have this happen in Detroit. So I get, you know, I get what they're trying to do. I don't think lawsuits are the way to do it. Uh, I think lawsuits are going to uh, gum up our system worse. It's going to, it will, it will. Okay. So why do you file a lawsuit? You're like, Hey, you didn't treat us fairly. We want to open up. We want, you know, of course there's going to be medical stats and she's doing the best she can and government has immunity and da, 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 da. You know, maybe they're trying to get a headline. Uh, you know, I think it's dumb. We're, we're trying to work as hard as we can within the rules and our, our mayor, again, one of the most restrictive, uh, our governor said, hey, real estate is essential. Our mayor came in and said, you cannot show houses. So once we get into escrow, it then becomes an essential service. But if you can't show houses, you can't sell them uh, for the most part. We're, we're finding workarounds in terms of doing some virtual showings and people are buying some houses, getting into escrow prior to actually taking the home tour. And then once you're in escrow, it's an essential service. You can take a home tour. So we're finding some some workarounds. Uh, I, I'm having the opportunity to talk to realtors around the country. I talked to the number one realtor in Philadelphia last week. And, you know, he's, he's staying busy. You know, he's doing a lot of what I referred to as the I care calls, you know, just calling up and saying, hey, now's an opportunity to do it like you've never done it before. You know, if you have somebody in your, in your database, and if you don't have a database, by the way, 
Uh, telephone is a great database. Um, you know, go start at A and start moving down. Now, it's a bit awkward when you do that during normal times. So you're like, oh, geez, yeah, I like that person, but I haven't called him in four years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I find it awkward. So I don't make that call, but I do send a text message. And my text message is like, hey, Aaron, haven't talked to you in ages. Man, I was thinking about you. I hope you and your family are safe. Let me know if there's anything I can do. This too shall pass. Uh, all the best, Paul. That's my I care message. So I make it personalized. I am reaching out to people I haven't been able to reach out to because it was weird uh, to do. And now's the time when you can, where you can just build that base and go out there and come out of this stronger than ever before. I really, truly believe it. That's something that like, like a lot of people aren't doing. There has been dozens of people I went to college with 10 and 15 years ago that I have not talked to since that in the last week, we have started you know, texting and chatting again and catching up a little bit and just going like, hey, so what are you doing? What, where are you working? What are you doing? Where are you living? Because this, this may actually be, it's like the only time in the last 10 years where you could reach out to somebody after it's been five or 10 years and be like, hey, I just thought I'd check in, you know, the like, what's life like for you right now? And uh, that is a, a great point of something to add. Well, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize you're a member of the bar. And so it was cool to be able to, to bring that up to you. They, I, the, I'm sure you had told me and I, I had forgotten. So I was curious if somebody, if lawsuits could, can actually force a governor to say, okay, I'm going to drop my shelter in place ordinance because of this lawsuit. Or do you think government, government right now is just going to have immunity to be able to do that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, it, I'd be I'd be wrong to say that you know I'm an expert on that uh, for sure. I, I can tell you that government has immunity all the time, not just in in these times. It's really extraordinary measures that it takes to uh, to file a civil lawsuit against uh, a government official. Um, there's usually just no place for it now. Uh, you know, the law makes other forum so that they're not totally uh, above the law, but you've got to give governors and executives that run our government real latitude and not have to be afraid of lawsuits everywhere. Now, back down to our reality level is I have heard talk of, uh, of governments passing legislation that would really limit the amount of lawsuits that like personal injury lawsuits for COVID exposure. And I, and I think that would be phenomenal, a phenomenal thing to do because there's no way to trace where you've gotten it. And, you know, if a business restaurant, they say, Hey, you could, you could be open, but you've got to have six foot spacing. And, you know, I take a selfie with my friend and everybody's three feet away from each other instead of six feet. And then somebody gets sick. You sue the restaurant. And say, hey, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't taking proper care. So this is something, you know. We're all assuming. I'm really speaking not like a lawyer because I think lawyers again gum up the works. Most yeah. there's some there's some positive stuff to it, but you know we're we are all. Uh, you know, I lived in England for a little while, and it's very much a like you know, buyer beware, you know, we take our own risks, we have our own consequences, and we're not blaming everybody for it. Now, California is especially bad, you know, uh, with the plaintiff's bar suing everybody for everything. I hope that they come out with laws that really greatly limit that because it's just going to mess up our ability to get back to normal. Yeah, I think that the, you know, that last kind of law that you came up with of people trying to pass legislation where people wouldn't be liable for passing it, that's going to be a key to get restaurants and theaters and those places to open again. 
like I'm so excited because like, Hey, everything's open this Friday. We want to go support local business. We want to jump back out there and try to push toward normalcy. But I think a lot of the places are like, Hey, we're not going to open yet because they're worried about some of that liability and the, and if you can protect them a little bit and say, Hey, the, there's no way we can actually blame this. If you can protect those places to do the best they can and open, it's going to start last article. I want to jump through. There's a bunch of numbers on here. So Inman yesterday article came out the, uh, it says by the numbers, how hard has COVID-19 hit real estate? Bunch of random, you know, stats on here that I think are pretty interesting. I'm just going to run through them and see which ones kind of stick out to you. So it says there's a 22.3% drop in U.S. new home construction starts. There is a 408% increase in agents using Zillow's 3D home tour feature. A 500% uptick in Redfin video tour requests. 700 credit score is now required and a 20% down payment for a mortgage from Chase Mortgage. Like that's a big bump and 120 day window on appraisals for FHA, USDA, VA, Fannie Mae, Freddie back loans. So the, so, you know, and then it's under 3%. So Fannie Mae forecasted mortgage rates for 2021 that mortgage rates will hit under 3%. So a lot of statistics in there. A couple of them that stand out to me that are like, well, duh, like the, so the Zillow, 3D home tour four times. We've been talking about 3D home tours since the first day we got in shelter in place. We're like, go get a 3D home tour. Agents requesting video tours on Redfin. That makes sense. What do you think about those or any of the other ones that stuck out to you? Uh, you, you definitely picked, uh, you picked a, few, uh, a few of the good ones, including, uh, and I would add to the good ones, the last stat where they're predicting uh, you know, interest rates going below 3%. Uh, I, I will say this. To all the rest of the stats, you know, you can hate me if you want. I just call BS on it, on all of it. You know, when you say, hey, well, hey, here's the thing. How can you call BS? It's, it, this is a fact. Chase is now requiring 20% down and 700 credit score. That freaks me out. Here's the thing. That's today. Tomorrow that will change. I'm on the front line talking to the people behind the scenes in the mortgage industry, and they're saying, hey, there was a freeze on jumbo uh, loans just because they got nervous, you know, and they're just like, we don't know what to make of it right now. And then they started to go through, but a little slower. It's going, you know, oh, 23% drop. It's like, oh, let's compare unemployment right now to the Great Depression, okay, and try and start figuring that out. And again, I call BS on that because this is not normal circumstances. This is, you know, everybody's unemployed as far as I'm concerned. So, of course, it looks horrible, but there is a difference. So uh, we're going to see, okay, so we will really truly be out of this when uh, there's an effective vaccine, okay? And one of the things that I think could cause some of the bump in the stock market and all these sorts of things is they're fast-tracking some vaccines. They're also fast-tracking some some, uh, treatments other than injecting disinfectants. Yeah, uh, you know, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. That, that actually make, that, that makes sense. So we were drawn into this recession, maybe for the first time ever that I can think of that is a, well, maybe a war, right? But it's generally a, a financial, uh, big financial hiccup that causes a big financial uh, downturn. And, and right now we're, you know, it's a 9-11 type event. It's like, you know, this, it was a lightning strike. It was a black swan event. And, and it's one that 
is repaired easier and faster uh, than most. I definitely think that this we're dealing with something different. I definitely, I'm not one of these people that it's just my personal belief. I don't think there was a massive overreaction to this. I really don't. And when you look at like yesterday, here's a statistic yesterday, you know, the deaths in the U S surpassed the deaths in the Vietnam war, you know, and when you think about it, you're like, Oh, that's mind boggling. However, how many of them were old people that were very ill anyway? How many people, how many people died from really bad uh, flu, flu virus that was just a regular flu? You know, I don't think it's an overreaction because this is a novel flu. So our, our immunity systems haven't seen it. Uh, we had to lock down. We had to protect it. The last thing you want to do is you want to, here's a reality check, right? I, I definitely have people that don't know anybody that have been struck down with COVID, okay? And mm -hmm. then here's another true statement. As of last week, there were refrigeration trucks in front of major hospitals in New York City, okay? So if you get sick or one of your loved ones gets sick, you go to the hospital, you drop them off, you're not allowed in the hospital, and there are refrigeration trucks out front because they can't store the bodies. These are crazy times. It's terrifying. Days. Terrifying. Right, that is a terrifying picture right there that, yeah. of course, the people that see that, it's blowing their mind. Terrifying. And at the same time, what we need to do is figure out a way to hold those two very competing facts the same. My friend out yeah. there says, I, I don't even know anybody that has COVID. You know, back to New York City, because I have friends I talk to, uh, friends of mine that live in the city. They fled to their, their, their home in the country, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you should see what kind of crazy is happening? So these are both happening at the same time. So, you know, it is bad and, and just resist the, resist the crazy news. I'm going to tell you, I saw a business insider article had definitely not planned on bringing it up on this show because it freaked me out. And I try not to get freaked out easily. It said, it said unemployment in LA reaches 50%. And then the and business insider and then the, the, the photo show this big, long line, unemployment line, which let's just say was a real line, a photo that they took. And I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, okay, I can believe it because everybody I know is unemployed. Yep. It, it could be 70%. I mean, you know, right? And then, you know, I read the article and, and what they were talking about is LA might have a higher percentage of people who aren't employed to begin with. But it's talking about it includes the people that are uh, – are in college. So, hey, I'm over 18, but I'm in college, therefore I'm unemployed. It includes the people that are 80 years old that retired 20 years ago. So it's not filed for unemployment. It's no, the it's people not. that don't have a job. Yeah. And then you read further, it was like, oh, it was 40% before the pandemic. And now it's sort of, uh, you know, gone up. I'm like, if you're an entrepreneur, did you show up as unemployed? Right? Because you're like, hey. No, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, right on that stat. So, so, you know, we, one of the things that we do on this show is we talk about the news and we talk about it and we bring it to the attention of the realtors that, that, that follow. And we're super grateful for the, for, the, for the following. We're super grateful for people sending us comments because we listen to them. And, and what we're trying to do is make sense of it, okay, and make yeah. it usable. So Business Insider, I, I, I'm like, I understand the clickbait thing. And I'm just like, Never again, because it scared me to death. You know, I was freaked out for a half hour. And, and you know, never again am I going to look at Business Insider the same. You know, 
uh, I like Barron's, yes. Wall Street Journal, yes. New York Times, yes. You know, Business Insider, no. So that makes sense of even you can read a New York Times article, you know, that will still tell you really true facts. But are they telling us in the context of this is a very different thing? So that's the way I think it's important to look at the news. And also, what can we do now to shift our reality? And that's, and that's the get in touch with your database more now than ever. You know, kudos to you and your friends for, for having those calls. I haven't received them yet, right? So, yeah. you know, a little bit, but not, but not that much. So when I reach out to people, I am an absolute standout. You and your friends are already standouts. But when I do this a business thing, think about, think about how many business people, how many service providers are you in business with? Well, you're, you've got a doctor, you've got a dentist, you've got an accountant, you've got, you know, let's say there's 10 people that provide services for you. Um, how many of them have reached out to you and said, hey, Aaron, how are you doing? I'm just checking in. I mean, yeah, it, the service me, providers have not. They have not yeah. reached out to us. Yeah, for me, you know, honestly, now, as of yesterday, you know, it's been one or two. But uh, it's just because things are coming back to normal a little bit. You can be a standout in your industry to be the one person. Don't say, hey, you know, uh, hey, it's Paul, you know, do you, do you want to, you know, what are your plans to buy or sell real estate in 2020? And, you know, do you know anybody that wants to buy or sell? You can refer to me or whatever your script is, but use the I care script that I've been working with all with my 3000 realtors and saying, Hey, do this. I'm never afraid of telling a much broader audience the secrets because guess what? Very few people do it actually take yeah. action. So this is where, this is where you get that secret. You've got, Paul has 3,000 agents working for him. He's telling those 3,000 agents to do it. The other part about that, so you've got those 3,000 agents. If they all make 10 calls, you've got 30,000 people whose lives got better. They all make 100 calls. You've got 300,000 people that because of you guys reaching out are now saying, hey, somebody cares about me and maybe they're helping them with groceries. Maybe they're helping them with other stuff. You know, the, I think that has been such a, a great thing that Paul has been pushing, that I started pushing, that, and a lot of you listeners have told us, you're doing it. It's working. We're having a bunch of new reviews coming in. The, as we close up this podcast, I want to remind you guys of, you know, one of the things that Paul said is you need to be able to take the opinion and the news of, hey, I don't know anybody that this happened to, and the news of I'm standing in New York City, I'm at the hospital, I can't go in and I see these trucks. You have to take both those pieces of news from the opposite ends of the spectrum and say, how can you believe both of them equally and use that to your ability to succeed, to thrive, to be okay, to make your decisions. There's a lot of news out there. Get as much news as you can and all of the news that we gave you today and you, and you have to be able to believe all ends of the spectrum as, all right, this is the news. Now, how am I going to act on that? And, and the reality in this city is different than this reality and the reality over here is different. And that governor in Michigan compared to the governor in Texas, everybody's realities are different. So learn what you can, keep listening and, and, and keep coming back. You know, and, and Rockstar Nation, as a reminder as always, please go leave us a review. If you are loving these state of the markets, come tell us. If you're hating these state of the markets, come tell us. Tell us what you need, what you want to hear out there. The, if you haven't checked out Rebus University yet, we have slashed the prices on everything for all the agents that are kind of bored at home right now. You're like, hey, I'm going to go we got $1,000 courses for like 99 bucks to go like sharpen your tool set. Like go check that stuff out. Paul, any final thoughts, any last things for our, our, our okay. listeners? I want to say thanks to you, uh, Aaron, for really being a weather vane and, and, and getting me fired up about, uh, about doing this podcast because we've gotten so many uh, great reviews and, and touching people's lives. And we're, we're, you know, we're trying to be 
to be a light and, and I'm, I'm trying to be a light, uh, Absolutely. A light for everyone that I can be all the time. And I know that realtors do the same thing. And right now when times are dark is when the light shines the brightest, you can just be that little source of light. And right now you're such a standout. So uh, if you're tuning into this, you're already at the top 1% of that and take a little action on that. And, uh, and, and we really appreciate it. If, if all of our listeners reach out and, and text 10 people, like I care, how are you? We're going to touch over a million bodies this week. So like, if you're listening, do it right now. Text 10 people, say, hey, how's it going? Anything I can do to help you? Just been thinking about you. The at least a million more people this week are going to feel better about themselves and their situation. Paul, thanks for coming on. We'll be back next week. Okay, thanks, Aaron. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.